The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. And now, here is your host, the lovely, delightful, insightful, and all-around great gal, Ms. Barbara DeLong. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Nightlight. I'm Barb DeLong, your host, and tonight is a very special night for us because we have Michelle Avanti with us again. <clears throat> Excuse me, allergies. Um, and Michelle is, as you all know, is is probably I I I classify her as the best astrologer I have ever, ever had the pleasure to work with. And, and on top of that, she is also a gifted and amazing teacher. And tonight, we kind of decided that instead of doing the readings that we usually do, and we probably will do some more, but, but not tonight. Um, tonight, she's going to share with us some of her wisdom and, and talk to us about the astrological houses, which have always fascinated me which I don't know enough about. And, and frankly, I actually use them in the readings that I do. So I am sitting here with pen and pencil in hand, pen and paper in hand, because I'm going to take notes along with all of you. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Oh, you're so, so welcome for, for me to be here. It's such a joy. Well, you are, you are always a pleasure to, to listen to and, and to pump for information. So I'm so excited that we're going to do the astrological houses tonight. Yeah, you know, when when I teach basic astrology, this is like 
this is the place I like to start. And you're in for a good journey, so anyone who's listening, get a comfortable chair, get your favorite drink, sit down and relax, because I'm going to take you on this amazing journey that we call the Zodiac. And um, when we talk about the houses, I did post on my Facebook page uh, a wheel so that you could reference it, uh, because you will want to, at times, realize uh, where these houses are and how they look on a wheel, but... Basically, I want you to just really enjoy because the story of creation is in this wheel. You know, when we look astrologically at a natal chart, we are looking at the moment that you took your very first breath and that being that you truly are, that magnificent divine soul comes into the body and when it takes its first breath, it activates a resonating action kind of like uh, the fairy godmothers who came around Cinderella when she was born, you know? At that moment in time when you take your first breath, all these incredible beings of light, they are stars in other universes, as well as the planets in our solar system, as well as many unknown factors, because we are only so far advanced in this state of consciousness we're in, they leave a little imprint on your DNA. And that imprint will activate every time there's a specific type of geometric pattern from those beings. And that's the hypothesis I have of why our astrological wheels actually have anything to say to us. They're kind of like this tattoo on your DNA that activates through geometric progressions. At any rate, where this begins, before this planet existed in this solar system, there was this huge, huge, wild meteor coming in to this solar system. It was part of a sun from some other galaxy, and it shot through space until its specific magnetic force and the gravity of the other planets as well as the sun found a space where it hit balance. And at that point, Earth set into an orbit. Erratic at first, but eventually it settled in. And its very beginning, its very first appearance in our solar system was a huge ball of fire. That connects to the first house. The first house is about appearance. The moment that you appear, the moment you take your first breath, that tells us how you will look. We see you for the first time, and so did the solar system see Earth for the first time. And in the natural wheel, that first house is ruled by Aries, and Aries' ruler is Mars. Mars is action. Mars is impressive, aggressive movement and action. And it's fiery. It is a fire sign. Aries is a fire sign. And when you are born with Aries in the first house, which only a certain number of people are, you frequently are born with a a larger than normal head And no matter what nationality you come from, you will have red highlights, if not red hair. So 
those are key elements to the first house. The first house is the house of appearances. When we have changes in our first house, we tend to change our appearance. <laughs> uh, so that's what the first house is really about, and it comes back to this moment in time when Earth first arrived. Fiery red you, when you were born, you were kind of fiery and red as well because you had to come through a canal and, and there was blood involved and uh, you did make an appearance. And that's that first house. So let's go to the second house. And and Barbara, if you have any questions, do just pipe in, okay? <laughs> oh, oh, trust me, I will. Okay. So is, now, this, is the first house is the first house also how how we see ourselves or how others see us? Really, how others see you. It's how okay. others. It's the moment we make our appearance, and uh, of course, as time goes by, the wheel continues in its in being activated. So when we're talking about this first three houses, when we're talking about the first house at the moment of your birth. That's the moment that you make your appearance, but there will be another time you will make an appearance, and that house will activate again. So, but uh, yeah, that's us and how others are seeing us. Okay. And that's the same whether we look at a natal chart or we look at the chart of a nation or a city. It will tell us about that the way we see or the way the world sees us. So let's come to the second house now. The second house, at that moment when Earth settled into its orbit, it started to cool down. And as it cooled down, we could see that there was something there. There was rock. There was dirt. And that is the second house. The second house is a house of tremendous perseverance and stability. It's the house of Taurus. It's the house of what we value, and it's the house that is ruled by Venus because Venus rules Taurus. It's a house of beauty, and as it cooled down, all the planets around looked down and said, look, we have something very valuable in our solar system. We have another planet that's part of us, and isn't it beautiful? Second house is about what we value. Earth valued being whole. Earth valued the stability of its orbit. Earth valued its ability to persevere through that orbit, through its spins of light and darkness, heat and cold, far away from the sun, closer to the sun. And so that's what that period in time was. And in your life, that second house, was when you started to discover things of value. This is when we discovered that we have fingers. This is when we discover we have toes and we have movement and how valuable these things are to us. This is when we start to understand there is more to us than just a consciousness that we have some kind of body. And all the issues of sensualness come in through Venus and Taurus. Our ability to touch, our ability to connect. Uh, Sensitivities of the physicality become our, uh, we begin to perceive them 
as we come into this second level, which in life, okay, there's the moment you appear and then there's a period of time that goes by as we come into understanding we are a human being now. And that's the second house. We begin to value the human body, just as Earth and the solar system began to value itself. And that's what the second house is about. And it extends beyond just what we value. It also extends into money in terms of how we uh, spend our money. How do we look at our money? What does our money in terms of its value, what is the value to us of money? And when you think about that, it says a lot more than just income. Because your second house, whatever is on your second house cusp, uh, tells us how you spend your money. If you have Taurus there, then you do spend it on things that are are sensual, that are beautiful, uh, things that others may even perceive as valuable or expensive, uh, and things that are sensual, things that are comfortable. Uh, people who have Taurus here tend to uh, enjoy things that are beautiful, and when they give gifts, they tend to give gifts that could be very beautiful things. Not necessarily what the other person is looking for, but they will be beautiful and probably expensive. <laughs> so it's, it's it's interesting how we are all so different, and uh, everything, of course, can be mitigated. I'm giving you the basis of the house and uh, whoever is on that cusp. So that's the second house. As Earth continued in its orbit and continued to go beyond just cool, it started to have an experience of breathing. It started to breathe in a way that it began to communicate with the rest of life in this solar system. And its breath became an atmosphere. And that's what we come to as we come into the third house. Children, as they continue to grow, they attempt to communicate. They realize that others are speaking to them. They begin to have the awareness that others are actually speaking and they want to be able to relate back. And that is the third house. That is a house that is ruled by Mercury, by Gemini. Gemini is uh, the ruler of your hands, your arms, your limbs your ability to move those hands, arms, and limbs to express yourself. And it is rule, it's a ruler uh, of air, and mercury is communication. And this is the house of communication. And how we communicate when we're first born is simply uh, through movement and eventually through voice. But it, it always comes back to breath. As we have breath and we learn to control that breath, we begin to have voice and control of uh, the muscular structure in our mouth. We begin to relate to others, and that's what the third house is about. How do we connect? How do we, how do we communicate with those who are close to us? Third house isn't about the Internet. It's about those who are in our neighborhood, who are close to us. And uh, so when you think about... Um, Earth, in its amazing experience, it now has an atmosphere. So here we have the element of air. So it began with fire. It went from fire to being a cooled structure and the earth itself, which meant we had dirt. We had something to work with. 
and then it developed an atmosphere. And that is the first quadrant of the houses. That is a very personal, it is the beginning of life, it's, it's our personal experience. As we cross the axis to the fourth house, we have a new experience for Earth. Because we have now generated an atmosphere, we are generating moisture, and we develop water. And the Earth now discovers that there is a flow of water from within it, from above it. It now has a structure that is Earth air, water, and fire, and this combination creates life. And here is the beginning of life on the planet, the fourth house. And this is the house we call our home. This is when Earth becomes a home. It's not just a planet anymore. It's much more than that because now we have the four elements. They're all working together to create life. And in our natal charts, this is the time where we discover that we have a place that we live, a place that we know is our sanctuary, and we want to own everything there. We have a a desire for things, uh, and we shortly have to learn that uh, mom mom controls most of them. (laughs) And so this is the house of our home. This is the house of our emotions, our real property, our mom, and when we go to sleep at night, our dream state. So it's an amazing house. And you can see how it relates because after you've been in the hospital with your mom, uh, you come home. And there we learn all kinds of things, and we learn them from our mom. And in this day and age, some moms are not women, So you don't want to just think female all the time when you say mom. Mom could be a dad. Mom could be a grandmother or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle. But it's the person who is the one in control of the home we live in when we're children. And that's what the fourth house is about. And we quickly learn when we try to take things, we learn that we're not necessarily happy about it or we learn how to change the way that we act. And this is the house of emotions. And that's the first part of what we start learning. We learn about emotions. We begin our real journey. We get past just relating and get into the whole emotional feelings of sharing with a mom, with a home, with other beings. And this is the beginning of it when we come into our home. So this is a house that's ruled by the moon. And, of course, at this time when we developed water, we also attracted moon. So planet Earth had the moon. At this point in time, planet Earth had a moon, and it began to understand its relationship to this other being in the sky. This is the house that is ruled by cancer, and cancer is ruled by the moon, and cancer is the sign of the home. It's the sign of nurturing. And on the more negative side, it's also the sign of the assassin, because the assassin is someone who is protecting others And as a result, he goes to uh, the far edge of reality, which is murder. So um, 
it's a wide spectrum. But think of um, cancer as the protector because cancer is uh, normally it's the one who provides the food. It's the one who nurtures. Okay, so now we come to the fifth house. And here we have uh, the earth has gone now beyond just the space of four elements. It comes back to the energy of fire, and it learns a new level of creation. It learns that there is uh, life on it that has the ability to intermingle. It has a new social quality. The mountains speak to the water. The trees speak to the mountains. The world has now developed all kinds of life, not just life in the water, but life that comes with spirit. Fire is also a symbol of the element of spirit. So at this point in the development of our solar system, our planet in this solar system, we come to a whole new level of life on the planet Earth. We've gone beyond just the life in the water, but now we've come to life above above the water. And in our natal chart at this point in time, we start learning about socializing. What is social etiquette? This is where we learn about the buffet of life. This is an amazing house. It's the house of all forms of creativity and social adventure. This is the house where we fall in love. And when we're very little, we fall in love with simple things. We fall in love with color. We fall in love with crayons. We fall in love with something that we see as pretty, snowflakes or snow. We fall in love with all kinds of things. And, of course, at some point we have some kind of puppy love in this house as well. But this is the house where we start to learn our social etiquette. And what you have on this house cusp will tell us how you fall in love, what kind of person you will fall in love with. It also tells us the kinds of things that you love, what kinds of hobbies you may have, what kinds of hobbies would be fun for you. Uh, It tells us also how you will invest because when we love we are investing ourselves and um, so whenever you are doing anything that you love you are putting yourself into this investment but you can take this another step and you can say well what would I be good at investing in if I were investing with money and this house will also tell us that so this house is ruled uh this house is ruled by the sun and the sun rules of course leo so this is the house of leo and the sign of leo is a sign that is all about leadership and also about entertainment and also about uh the responsible and the irresponsible because every sign every planet has a beautiful side and a side that is not so beautiful and we have the ability to escalate between them we can go from the high end to the low end or somewhere in between and at some point we need to be conscious enough to make the choice to stay at the end of it that we want to stay at so so this is the house of socializing and investments and love 
and uh, it's a huge house. Uh, so anytime you're wondering, sometimes I have clients who uh, may have a parent or a child who just seems to have lost their way in terms of not remembering what's really important. And all we have to do is come back to this house, to its rulership, to how the ruler is aspected and who is deposited in this house, what planets and how are they aspected. And through an analysis of those elements, uh, we're able to identify what can help that individual um, find their love again. So that's the fifth house. Now we come to the sixth house. And this is where uh, the planet has gone now into a whole new level, a whole new level of development. This is where uh, the planet now has lots of creatures, lots of live beings on it, and beings that would include human life forms at this point in time. And at this point, uh, the issues become one of how do we uh, work with each other, how do we uh, connect in ways that we can serve one another, um, be charitable to one another, how do we do that? Charitable to other life forms as well as um, being charitable to each other. So this is the house of work, of the workplace, but it's also the house of service. All the charities of the world are in this house. This is where we do charitable work. This is also the house of nurturing, and this is the point in time where the planet Earth became went beyond just hunting, and it came into an agrarian age. This is where we began to nurture food from the ground. We, we began to cooperate with the Earth and serve, let the earth serve us and we serve each other through our ability to work with the earth and create food, produce food. And uh, so this is where the agrarian age begins in this house. And uh, here we also can see how you eat. It tells us all about how you take care of your health. This is a house of health. It's the house of service, workplace, health, and charity. It's also the house of small animals. So it, there are a lot of things going on here. But when we look at a person's uh, health, this is where we're looking. When we think of it in terms of the uh, growth of a child, at this point in time we go beyond socializing and creativity and having fun and falling in love with things, and we go to work, which means this is where we first go to school. Uh, the school becomes our first workplace. And this is where we will uh, end up learning something about the way we eat because there will be more of a regimented kind of system in place for us to learn. So, so it's a very important house. This is also the house of the military when we look at mundane uh, astrology. So uh, it's an important house, house of employment. So now that cool. is the... Go ahead. No, that's that's fascinating because I hadn't heard all of those different aspects of it before. So, and and I love if I was looking for a small animal, if someone was you mm-hmm. know saying I've I've lost my guinea pig. I mm-hmm. mean, would would I would look at the sixth house and see what was there? 
You would see what was going on, yeah. You would see the ruler of that house uh, would relate to your guinea pig, and we'd have to see what what happened to that ruler, what yeah. what kind of transits are activating that ruler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'd also know if you have large or small animals by what you have on that house cusp. You know, people who have Sagittarius on that house cusp are not usually interested in very small animals. They're the less likely to have a guinea pig. They're more likely to have a horse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I was well, searching for, you know, a, an animal that not many people had, but then it occurred to me that probably many people do have guinea pigs, so. Oh, who knows? <laughs> I, so you know, I, I've stopped trying to figure it all out to tell you the truth. <laughs> no, this is, you're, you're giving me um, aspects of each house that I had not, you know, been, been aware of, which is fascinating. Especially eating. Yeah, the wheel is... You know, a lot of astrologers, when they do relationship astrology, that is when we take the chart of one person and the chart of another person and see how they work together, uh, they forget how important the basis of the chart is. Um, It is very important. Looking at the planets and how they interface is one thing, but the basis of the chart is really important. And I've seen astrologers completely overlook it, and and I think don't do that. You have to remember, I mean, if a person has a second house and they have Taurus on that house, it tells us what kinds of things they value. And if the other person has, uh, let's say, uh, Virgo on that house cusp, uh, they're not going to be spendy like the person who has Taurus there. Taurus is going to want to spend money, their money. They value spending money on expensive things. Well, Virgo on that house cut says, no, you have to save your money and I have to know exactly how many pennies I spent and I'm going to check to see the price on everything. They're not going to be free with their money at all. And you might say, well, they're both earth signs. They should work really well together. Well, that just depends on other aspects between those rulerships. But uh, I'd say I'd rather you had somebody else there <laughs> uh, for for two people getting along. Um, the, you know, each one of these houses tells us about how you will set up your life, your viewpoint on areas of life. You know, the fifth house is also the house of children because when we invest, uh, we are creating children. It's not the house of having a child. It's the house of children. The children that are there will be in this house. And for some people, those children are the books that they create or the songs they write or or uh, the classes that they teach and the children that they taught in those classes or the people who they taught in those classes. Those are their children. For others, their actual children are there. And um, uh, it tells us how you will work with those children. Um, so, you know, if you have Capricorn on that house cusp, well, that's a very cold kind of way of working with children. It's a very disciplined and very uh, controlled way of working and expecting someone to toe the line, as they say, because uh, Capricorn loves to build a structure, and so you're going to have to work inside a structure. Well, if you have children who are air signs and fire signs, structure is horrible for them. It's like taking them and strangling them. So you have to, um, you don't want to have a husband and wife or a wife and a wife or a husband and a husband, whatever combination you want to make it, but two people together or even in a business, a partnership, where uh, one of them has Capricorn there and another one has Leo. Ooh, that just, the outlook is so different. 
you know, Leo says, let's have fun, let's party, let's enjoy each other, let's play with our children. And Capricorn says, no, you have to discipline them, and they have to be controlled, and they have to do it a specific way. And so very different outlooks. And, well, this uh, is why so, it's, it's, so, it's so important for people to first, first understand their own chart. And then <clears throat> if they're in a relationship with someone, if they're married to somebody else, and you know they fully intend to stay that way then then it's it's good to to look at the other person's chart and see what has fallen in what areas there so that you can work around it and really to understand the other person <laughs> because yeah. we can be attracted to someone who uh really does not have the same outlooks as us and if you want a, a comfortable life that's not a very good choice no matter how attracted you are but uh, if you're a person who's willing to ride the ride it rough, um, then understanding their chart and understanding they are not going to change in these areas, you're not going to make them change. This is a basic outlook in the way that they see life. Uh, so uh-huh. you're going to have to work with it. And uh, so it's very important. That's why, you know, when I teach astrology, I always call relationship astrology relationship insurance. Because it really gives you an understanding of who you are and an understanding of who the person is so you can understand how you can work together. I remember years ago I had a family come for a consultation, a whole family, five children, a husband and a wife. And when I looked at all their charts, I just looked at the woman and said, I don't even know how you can, I don't know how you can handle being in this family. (laughs) And she just about... (laughs) She, she could not believe I could see what was happening in her world. But it was as plain as could be. My God, the rest of the family were all earth and water. They were so earthy. And she was all air. She was an air sign. She was air and some fire. And she did not belong with this group. She was yeah. being stifled. But, um, you know, people do things for karmic reasons. And... Uh, but it's really important, I think, sometimes that someone, uh, an astrologer, a psychic, a good friend who just understands, has the ability to uh, let that person know they're not crazy. They really are <laughs> experiencing a difficult <laughs> life. <laughs> it just kind of gives them some relief when they hear that. So this whole area we've just gone through, which is the bottom of the chart, it's uh, the underpinning, this is the part is, that is what we call below the horizon. So at the moment that the person was born, they took their first breath, these are the constellations. Whatever falls down here, these are the constellations. And whatever planets were in those constellations are what's below the horizon, parts that you can't see, okay, if you uh-huh. were standing there at that moment in time. Uh, if you think of the ascendant, that the cusp of the first house, uh, that is like 6 a.m., and the cusp of the seventh house, which is where we're coming to now, is like 6 p.m. So this is all the time of darkness, and this is what we call the inner part of the individual. This is not the exterior. This is not the part necessarily that uh, everybody sees. This is where the individual consults themselves. This is the most intimate part of the person. Uh, the introvert will have lots of planets below the horizon. The extrovert will have lots above the horizon. 
Um, but most people have a bladder chart, so they have them all over the place. And uh, that's probably a little bit better way of dealing with life. So, so then we come to the seventh house. And the seventh house is where everything begins to change. Um, the planet itself at this point is an integrated planet, and the planet at this point is a time where we discover that there are tribes and there are other peoples and there are, there are places that we have not known about. And, uh, and so this is where individuals will either learn to work with each other or they will argue with each other, they will fight with each other. Uh, this is the house of relationships. And uh, the seventh house in an individual's life, this is the moment where we go uh, beyond uh, just socializing and just working and just discovering, but this is where we actually find uh, people that we want to make long-life friends. This is where we have one-on-one relationships. This is where we connect in a way that creates types of partnerships. And, of course, this is also uh, the house of marriage. Uh, We could fall in love, but that doesn't mean we're going to marry the person we fell in love with. Uh, The the information that is on the fifth house cusp tells us what kind of person we will fall in love with. But the information on the seventh house cusp tells us what kind of person we will marry. Uh, They are not necessarily the same at all. So finding the person who has both of those in their chart, active, actively activating your chart, this is where we have that um, kismet where we come together and we find someone that we uh, actually consider someone we might marry. Mm-hmm. So this is a really uh, important house. It's the house of Libra. Uh, Libra rules this house, and Libra is an air sign. So without communication, you cannot have a partnership. You have to have some kind of communication. And without balance, you can't maintain a partnership. And Libra is the sign of balance. And Libra is now the second sign, or what we call the higher octave, of Venus. Venus ruled the second house, which is the house of Taurus. And here it is more advanced in the house of Libra. Venus rules Libra. We're in the second house. We have Taurus, and Venus loves its stuff, like the child who loves its toes and loves mom's keys and loves the things that it can touch and loves that sensual connection. Here, in the seventh house, one learns to love another. One learns to not just love them in this kind of state of um, of desire, but in a state of balance. When we love, truly we wish to bring joy to another. And that is the state of balance that comes when you have all the beauty of Libra. So the seventh house is very important, and it's our movement out into the public's eye. This is where we are taking another step. So that's the seventh house. The eighth house is the house that is a house of reproduction. And this is where 
even as we continue on the planet, we have more and more people activating. And with that, we have a whole new process, a new process of life and death. We have a process of uh, inheritance. We have a process of recreation or uh, we have a process of power and control. We have a process of even taxation. All of that is in this house. This is the house that is normally hidden. This is the house behind the curtain. This is the house of the power because the creative force of reproduction, which is a step beyond any other creative force, is a force of power, unseen, and for centuries, for millennia, misunderstood. So here in this house, we have a transformation. We go beyond one physicality or beyond one set of resources to a multiple set. This is the house of Scorpio. This is a house that has dual rulership. But according to the ancients, the actual ancient ruler of Scorpio is Mars. And this is the second octave of Mars. The first octave of Mars was the first house, which is the house of Aries. And that is the house of appearance. That is the house of the foot soldier, the one who goes out in front, who runs out before they have any knowledge of what they're getting into. The eighth house, the second octave of Mars, is a step beyond all of that. Here we have the power of creation itself. Here it is not just an aggressive act of moving forward and being seen, but it is an act of power of reproduction. It is an act of power of meshing one's resources with another, whether it is the physical body or monetary structures or the ability of power of two nations to build together. That's what the Eighth House is about. And so this is a very powerful and very important house. And as we continue to move forward in our states of consciousness, as humanity continue to move forward, we discovered the planet Pluto, and it was assigned to uh, Scorpio. Pluto is a step from the physical to the psychological. The outer planets are the psychological planets, and it is their depth of our subconscious their depth that transforms us when it comes to the surface. And a lot of the time it comes first to the surface as a result of an activation through Mars, and then the activation continues through Pluto. Pluto will create an upheaval. It will dismantle anything that does not have uh, its roots in the power structure to begin with. It will literally dismantle it and create something new. So that that's the eighth house. And uh, in a natal chart, this will certainly include uh, um, having children, uh, reproductive issues, uh, reproduction itself. It is also the house of taxation and inheritances. And um, and a lot of the time when you say inheritance, people think in terms of money, but we inherit much, much, much more than money. We can inherit things from our parents 
uh, that are much bigger than money. So, and we can inherit them from friends and teachers. This is a house of inheritance, and when we have activation from Jupiter to the ruler of this house, some inheritance appears. So it's a fascinating house. Alrighty, come now and to the ninth. It's, it's feeling a little bit <clears throat> like everything that happens below the horizon is really more internalized than anything else. And mm-hmm. as you get above the horizon, it's more manifestational within the physical reality. Yes, yes, exactly. Everything above the horizon will be seen, whether it's a marriage or a partnership, whether it's a child that will be born or the process of taxation or a new credit card and a mortgage on a house. All of that comes through the eighth. Um, It'll be seen because it is, um, once you get above that horizon line, you are in a public view, especially in the rising of the chart, which is where we are here. Uh-huh. So seven, okay, eight, and nine. Yeah, just just curious because it seems like, of course, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people knew you were coming, so they're all looking at their own charts. So I, you know, I'm going to ask some questions that have been sent after after you get done with all twelve to see if we can clear up some. Oh, I think um, we'll have time too because uh, okay. Yeah, I think we'll have plenty of time to answer questions. Uh, I, I'm moving pretty rapidly, I think. I think so, too. Okie dokie. Okay, well, now we come to the ninth house, and this is an enormous house. This is the house where we really come into public view. This is the house of all forms of legal matters. This is where we go to court. This is where we marry. The marriage certificate is in this house. This is where we travel to foreign countries or we import things from foreign countries. This is where uh, we would travel to space. Um, this This is where we travel spiritually, even to higher levels of consciousness. All of that is in this house. This is the house of Jupiter. This is the house of Sagittarius. And Sagittarius is the expander. It's the one that expands us beyond our boundaries. This house is in the opposite location of the third house. The third house, of course, was the house of Mercury and our ability to communicate with those who are near those who we are connected with, our family, our neighborhood. The opposite is the ninth house, and here we communicate with the world. We communicate externally, out to the public. This is the house of marketing and advertising. This is the house of the Internet. Uh, This is the house of publishing. This is the house of all forms of going far beyond uh, the boundaries of your neighborhood. And, of course, this is the house of higher education. This is where you get your college degree or you become the teacher of university. Um, This is a house of teaching as well. It's a huge house. Jupiter takes and expands everything. And... uh, So this is the house of Sagittarius and Jupiter. And as far as the world, uh, 
goes at this point in its development, we went beyond the eighth house was the house where the central banks and the banks started developing and uh, mortgages and controls and taxation all developed in the eighth house. And now in the ninth house, we have international uh, relationships, international treaties. Uh, This is import-export. This is where the world... Uh, no longer just sees each other as tribes, but they see each other as nations. This is a house where there are laws and government. And uh, so it's a huge house. And if you want to know about traveling far away, this is the house you'd look at and the ruler of this house. This house will tell you if you have safe travels or, or if you're a person who shouldn't even travel, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> don't have that, but uh, it does tell you all kinds of things. It tells you um, what kind of experiences you will have if you take a journey on the inner planes. It tells you that as well. So it's a very, very big and very important house. And once we come to the end of the ninth house, then we come to the axis again, and we're back at the middle of the chart and this is the midheaven and if we were going by a natural wheel this point in time would be midday this would be when the sun is at its zenith which uh, at sometimes it's 12 o'clock at sometimes it's three o'clock it depends on the time of year and where you live on the planet but but that's what uh, the midheaven is it's the highest zenith at that moment uh, that you were born and uh, the this is the entry to the 10th house. These two houses, the 9th and 10th, are very public houses, the 10th being your house of career. The 9th house is ruled by Jupiter. The 10th house is ruled by Saturn. Saturn uh, is the ruler of Capricorn. This is the house of Capricorn. Capricorn is um, the principal. Capricorn is uh, the authority. The person in charge of uh, the whatever, the person in charge in in a position of authority, and uh, it's the house of um, the policeman. Uh, the 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 attorney is in the ninth house, but the judge is in the tenth. So ah. this is the house where we step beyond as a planet uh, international connections and go into uh, justice in terms of. What is happening in the world? How do we make sure that we're being fair to each other? How, what laws do we have to create? Where do we have to go uh, in judging? And what structures need to be built in order to make the world a place that is more just? So you see states of consciousness as you go around this wheel as well. Um, so, it, But in simple uh, natal charts, this is the house of career. This tells us what is it that you are most likely uh, to be doing. What career is the career of choice for you? And you have to remember there are more than more than one simple level to any any chart, as there is more than one level to anyone in a human body, because we are multiple levels and multiple dimensions. But uh, the tenth house is the house where spirit also has a say. It tells us what is it that you as soul have chosen for a career in this lifetime? In what way are you going to um, be happiest in 
your process on this planet to actively uh, connect with the rest of the world. So this is this is that spot when you hit the midheaven. Activation of the midheaven is usually when you get the diploma, and the tenth house then is the career that you follow as a result of the diploma. Uh, so it depends on what you have at that cusp and and the rulership at that cusp. Uh, it tells us a lot about what kind of work you might do in this lifetime. If you have Capricorn up there, uh, who is the natural ruler of this house. Uh, you may be a person who is going to uh, be a judge. You may be a person who is going to be in control of a company. Uh, CEOs are Capricorns. Uh, a, lot, a lot of CEOs actually are Capricorns. <laughs> but uh, Capricorn is the sign of uh, being in control of the big picture. And uh, so, uh, but if you have cancer on that cusp, you may, may be a person who uh, is someone who. Um, works with real estate, someone who may work with food. You may be someone who nurtures people, um, being some kind of caretaker of others. There are so many things that have to do with having that mother energy. You could even be a farmer with cancer at the midheaven. Um, so there's a you, you can take a look at these things, and you'll find that even the numerous things that pictures that come with each sign. A lot of the time I find that people through their lives have done them all, have done all the things that picture will uh, talk of. Uh, very few people don't. Uh, so as they go through life, uh, they work with each side of the sign. But this house is kind of simple when you say, what is it about? It's about career. Wow. Okay, so now we come to the 11th house. And this is the house of Aquarius. This is the house that at this point in the development of the planet and the peoples on the planet, we go beyond justice and we go to brotherhood. We go to looking to see how can we connect with others who may need someone to help them. What kind of organizations can we create that help each other? Aquarius is the sign of uh, logic. It's the sign of science. It is the sign also of independence. It's the sign of freedom. It's the sign of um, a vast number of ways of thinking beyond what we normally think so that we can create what we need. That old statement, you know, invention, uh, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. And invention is a word that goes hand in hand with Aquarius. And the 11th house, uh, which is ruled, Aquarius's ancient ruler is Saturn. And that sounds kind of odd when you talk freedom and you say the word Saturn. And this is where, uh, if you can go back to elementary school, I, I think everyone had an essay at some point in elementary school where they, they told you, okay, now, if you have uh, freedom... What responsibilities come with it? And that's the connection. Saturn is about responsibility, and Aquarius is about freedom. So this is a step beyond. This is the second level of Saturn. 
Saturn in its first level, which is career, it's very streamlined. It's very straightforward. Have to build a structure. Have to follow my structure. Have to be disciplined. Have to make it happen. But when you come to Saturn in Aquarius, it's not anymore about me. It's about all of us. It's about creating a structure that will create freedom for everyone. Way beyond we talk about second level, this is an amazing level. And what this house is about, it's about your wishes and dreams. It tells us what do you really wish for? What is it you really want in life? That's what the 11th house is about. This is the house, of course, of uh, the World Health Organization, the United Nations, uh, the Doctors Beyond Borders, and it goes on and on and on. All those major organizations you've ever heard about, they're all birthed right here in the 11th house. Somebody's dream was to give something to someone or to protect some, all of us in some way. And as a result of that, they created an organization, and that's the 11th house, an amazing house. And that is air, by the way. I know I haven't necessarily told you the element as I go around, but the elements just follow in the same order. They start with fire, they go to earth, they go to air, and then they come to water. Fire, earth, air, water, all the way around. This is an air sign. And so as you come to the 12th house, you come to water. And that's the last water house. And this is the house of Pisces. Astrologers have called this the house that is the closet. The ancients call this the closet. Um, this is the house where we have hidden things from ourselves. It's the house of karma. It's the house of what came before this lifetime, this next line, this this moment of we call the ascendant. This moment that we crossed to the first house was when we first appeared. But the twelfth house speaks of what happened. Who were we before we appeared? It asks the question of what is it that you can sabotage yourself with? And what we sabotage ourselves with is what we don't know. And most of what we don't know manifests as a result of past life karma or earlier life experience. So this is the house of things hidden. It's the house of mystery. Pisces, of course, is the mystery. It's the sign of the psychic, the intuitive. It's also the sign of the creative, the imaginative. It's ancient ruler is the second incarnation of Jupiter. This is the higher vibration of Jupiter. The first was the ninth house, which was the house of expansion beyond your world, the house of going to the public across vast spaces of time or electricity. Uh, it's the house of spirituality and religion, more religion than necessarily spirituality. The twelfth house is Jupiter in terms of its greater space where we expand across time 
expand across awarenesses, where consciousness goes from the beginning of creation to wherever it goes far beyond and meets itself again in a spiral moving upward constantly to higher states of consciousness. And so it is Pisces. The heights of Pisces are the heights of heaven and the depths of Pisces are the depths of despair. And when we come to terms with the issues of the 12th house, it is at that time that we resolve what our subconscious continues to direct us towards and discover our own divinity. You'll stop sabotaging yourself when you understand you're divine and that all things are perfect and that we are simply weaving one more thread in an enormous tapestry that takes a stepping beyond where we are to see at least a portion of it. So that's the 12th. Well, so so you've given us what the different houses mean, but when anybody is looking at their own chart, you know, they are going to see that the different signs are in the house. Other, they may seem the different houses are in different signs are in the houses. And so you have to take both of those things into consideration in order to figure out what is being said. Yeah, well, that's the thing about astrology. I I know when I teach beginning astrology, I never tell my students how much they're going to learn in six weeks. But (laughs) uh, but when we get to the end of it, I I let them know, you have learned over 144,000 things because it takes that many things to just understand the very, very basics of astrology. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of people are sitting with their charts in front of them and they're looking and they're seeing that, huh, I have houses that have nothing in them. Does that mean that, you know, I, 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 you know, what does that mean? It means that you, in this lifetime, you probably don't have a big focus in that area of your life. On the other hand, you take a look at the ruler of that house and see how it's aspected, it will tell you a whole lot more. Okay, because somebody wrote in and said everything, just about everything is below the horizon and my upper, my upper stuff doesn't have anything in it, you know, oh my God. And it was, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm sure that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's... No, 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 none of that is bad. It means that you tend to be more of an introvert in this life and yet if almost everything is below the horizon and only one planet is above the horizon and then that planet is getting tremendous power to work it is if it's aspecting those things below the horizon that planet every, all the energies of the other planets are coming through that one and that's the one that's making the appearance more than any other in your life so you have to really take a look at that planet and what is it saying in its location that's a huge statement um a lot of the time when we have uh, an abundance below the horizon or above the horizon, we go out of our way to overcompensate. And it will be that planet that's outside that's doing all the overcompensating. Because uh, you, there's a part of you that knows you're highly introverted. So you push to get out there and be And the public may actually think you're an extrovert when really and truly you are not. <laughs> <laughs> 
we are fascinating enigmas, all of us. Um, but, yeah, people who have a dominance, some people have a dominance on the east or on the west. Uh, like the left side of the chart, they, they, you may have a dominance of planets on the left side and not very much on the right side. Does that mean you'll never get married? Then you'll never have children? <laughs> no, it doesn't mean any of those things. But it does mean that in this lifetime you've come in with this amazing ability to make choices and you didn't set fate up to control a lot of your life. Well, knowing... Knowing, knowing where everything falls and knowing the different aspects that it does project through you into your reality gives you, in my mind, gives you a tremendous amount of information and power. Because if you're aware, first of all, of where your strengths are, second of all, of what your challenges appear to be, and third of all, you know, because the, the chart the chart may give you what your challenges are, but it also gives you ways in which to combat them so that you know where to go for strength. Absolutely. Right. Having, I mean, to me, one of the greatest gifts I can give someone when they have a child is to talk to them about that child's chart. How can that parent help that child? How will that child and parent get along uh, or parents get along, and um, and how how will each of them give to each other the strengths and the weaknesses and the directions of that child? And I will give them so many pictures about what that child has come here to do and to attain, and where their greatest challenges are, and how where are the release valves in the chart on how you can help them go beyond them. You know, we all, uh, I won't say everyone, but because mass murderers do not seem to have the release valves that the rest of us have, but the majority of people on the planet have release valves in their charts. And I need to write a book on it because I've yet to see anyone write one, and I've been talking about it for 30 years now. But uh, when you look at a person's chart, you can see their challenges, and you'll nearly always find there is a planet that makes a soft aspect uh, where all the other ones are under hard aspect. And that soft aspect from those planets that are under hard tells us where that individual will find the greatest uh, release from that challenge. And that can be as simple as falling into the fifth house and saying that they need to go out and talk or they need to go out and dance. And by doing that, they release themselves from the pressure of those experiences. Uh, there's all kinds of release valves, so you know that's just one simple, simple example. Well, <clears throat> well, also, it'll tell you where where their gifts are, which which can be so helpful to parents. I mean, if Absolutely. if there is going, you know, if there's going to be an inclination towards music or towards art or towards, you know, mm-hmm. sports. I mean, it, it will show up in the chart. Absolutely. I, I know I had a, a a client come, this is a long time ago, back in the early 90s, but I still remember her. Um, she came and she, her daughter, she was having a really hard time in college. Her daughter was in her first year in college, and her daughter uh, had decided she was going to go uh, and become a doctor like her dad because she loved her dad and she admired her dad and she wanted to be just like her dad. And the mom said, she's just failing in everything. Uh, Can you do anything to help me? And so we looked at her chart, and she did not have the chart of a doctor. By any means, she had nothing going for her in that area. 
but rather uh, she was someone who would be great, a great communicator, and she had a whole inclination towards political stuff. And I, I suggested she consider changing to a, a political major, and that's what she ended up doing, and she got straight A's from there on out, and she was very, very happy because she con- the, her mom connected with me back the next June and uh, told me. So, you know, that's a wonderful thing because sometimes we do blindside ourselves or our children blindside themselves by thinking, I want to be just like my dad or my mom because they're just so great. But that's not who we are. You know, it's a wonderful statement, but you have to be who you are. You came in uh, a specific kind of being in a specific lifetime, and uh, you have special gifts. And those are the gifts that you are going to have a passion for. Uh, we are passionate about uh, who we are, the soul oh, that we gosh, are. Yeah. And uh, if you follow, that's that's the old saying: "Follow your bliss." Well, that that's absolutely the best saying there could be because when we follow our passion, we are doing what spirit wants us to do. It's who we are. Well, that's why I think you know understanding your chart is so very important because it gives you an idea as to how to approach your entire life. And it doesn't mean that it controls you and it says you should do this or you should do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that much, but it does give you an understanding as to where the, the greater acceptance of your talents and your gifts would be for sure. Absolutely. Um, I am totally agreeing with you. You know, astrology gives you pictures. It doesn't say, and when you put enough of the pictures together, you get a consensus. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's how you know, you know what what direction is best. But like I said, you know, even with the consensus, there are a lot of doorways in, in that consensus. I'm staring at a chart right now, which is the transits for today or at this uh, in the last hour these are the transits and and this chart shows me uranus for example right now is at the midheaven in this chart and uranus if you were born with uranus at the midheaven you're somebody who you know being in a manufacturing job would just like kill you it would be horrible for you <laughs> because uranus needs freedom it needs variety uh, you know and you you need to have something that gives you a lot of change. And so there's a lot of kinds of jobs that do give you change. For example, an actor never acts the same acts all the time. You know, their, their act, acting is a job that has a lot of variety. Marketing, you, you do marketing, you're not going to do marketing for only one company. You're going to, if you're in an advertising agency, you work with lots of companies. You know, if you're an artist, you do all kinds of different things. Um, so there's all kinds of jobs out there. If you're uh, an airline stewardess or a pilot or, or you're someone who uh, uh, works as an inspector, even, even someone who does uh, insurance claims, they're going to work with different people all the time. They're always moving around. All of those things can fit Uranus at the Midheaven. So then you have to look to see what else is in there that tells us, you know, obviously you're going to have to have some kind of grounding in Earth sign somewhere that says you want to do detailed work, or you have something in uh, fire signs that say you want to do creative work. So, yeah, a chart tells a whole lot. Um, and 
you know, sometimes we do have to do things in life. We go through periods of time where uh, we're going through some type of Pluto transit uh, and or Saturn transit that causes us to have to buckle down and maybe do some kind of work we don't want to do that doesn't suit us well. And that's where the test is, uh, can I rise above this? Can I go in and see the beauty of the change that exists there? And if you take that attitude, you can get through those periods. They're only for a short time. They're not going to be for your life. So Yeah, that yeah. is. That is. <clears throat> now, we've got some people who have their hands up in the chat. And, okay. Um, and I, I, I want to I make this really clear. This is not a reading show. Have a question. We'd be happy to answer it. But it's not a reading show. Michelle's not going to draw up your chart. But if you have a question about a chart, we can do that. So let's try and see. I, I answered one lady, and she want, she was definitely looking for a reading. And we're not doing readings tonight. Uh, <clears throat> so 707-322, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Do you have a Hi. Do you have a well, Do you have a question? I had a question about my grandson. Um but you said um uh, I heard Barbara Barbara said that you weren't going to do pull up a chart cuz I had his time all set up. I was a little concerned with him, his strong will. Uh he's a Virgo, a double Virgo, meaning he has a moon and a uh, sun. In Virgo, wow! And, uh, he's a strong-willed child, and I was just like, "Whoa, too, too strong." I think it's all about attention, though. Well, you know, having both the moon and the sun. Moon is what our desires are, and the sun is where our ego is. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have the moon and the sun in Virgo, you're going to be a real. Um, you, you're going to be kind of uh, detail-oriented. This is an individual who may want things their own way, but I don't know where their Mercury is, and I don't know if the Mercury is causing conflict. But um, what sign are you, and what sign are his parents? His mother is a Sagittarius, and his father is an Aries. Oh, my God, yeah. They they may see him as strong-willed, but he is not as much strong-willed as he is an earth sign, and they are fire signs. Oh, my. I would make this suggestion right off the bat. When when we have a conflict over elements, okay, and he obviously a very strong, I would imagine one of them probably has their moon in an earth sign. At least I'm hopeful. I got my fingers crossed. Well, my daughter that. has her moon in, um, um, she's a, she's a, uh, her moon is in, um, but she's a Sag with a moon and Aries, so she's a double fire. Yeah, that's not – oh, that makes it even worse. What about her husband? No, I don't know. All I know is he's born April the 9th. That's all I know. Yeah. I don't know, no. but I know she is a double – she's a double uh, fire with uh, – it's going to be very hard for them to do what I'm going to suggest, but this is really important, so do hear me, Okay. When you have individuals who are parents who are fire signs, or they could also be air signs or fire-air combinations, mm-hmm. and then they're 
children, their children, a child comes in and they're all earth. I mean, that's powerful to have your sun and moon conjunct in an earth sign. And it's such a specific earth sign, mm-hmm. which is actually in a direct square to a Sagittarian. Okay, that's a square. That's a challenge. She challenge, She's challenged by him. Yes, she is. Very um, much so. Boy, the parents who are or air think that giving a lot of freedom will help the individual grow because that's what they needed to grow and expand. It's, they feel stifled by rules and discipline, yes. whereas an earth or water sign needs those things to feel loved. They don't feel loved if they don't have them. So I am going to ask you to suggest to her that she puts down some rules around him that he needs to abide by and stick to them. And she will find he will change. He will start to respect both of them more, and he will feel more love. He feels love when he has discipline in his world. When you he know, has it's rules, amazing you said that because he said to me one day, he said, Grandma, I want you to, I want you to be hard on me. Yeah. Be, be more, yeah. be, be hard on him. That that way, he you to be hard. You just don't give him a lot of freedom. You need to give him structure. Is what he needs. Mm-hmm. That's what he needs. You know, it's like my nephew. I would say to him when he'd come, I'd say, Matt, we're going to go out later. You want to help clean up the house? He was ready to go if he could vacuum and clean. He was a happy man. Uh huh. You give him something to do that makes him feel like he has con- c- contributed to the world. He needs structure. Earth yes. signs and water signs need structure. Yes. Tell his parents to give him that, and it will help tremendously change everything. But they're going to have to stick by it. They can't dance around. Fire signs are creative. They're going to create another possibility here, or you could do this. Or No, get rid of all the ors. Just make it plain. It's just a list. When you finish these things, then you get this. When you, you know, you have to be home at this hour, you need to be doing your work at this hour, and so forth. The structure makes feel loved. And I would okay. love to go back from you later on because I know that works. <laughs> okay. I'm definitely going to do that myself and I'm going to pass it on to her. But he definitely told me that. And I thought, wow. He said, don't be so nice, Grandma. I want you to be hard, like like strong, <laughs> like pull. <laughs> if you pull. And I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that do works that. for him. So, so that works for him. Okay. Yeah, and uh, do that, but also remember that when he is really hard on himself, you need to be able to sit down and help him understand that he doesn't need to pick himself apart. He doesn't need to criticize himself. He just needs to remember that if we didn't do it quite right this time, let's try it again and get it right this the next time. Okay. And, right. and later on in the, later on in the month, we will be doing a reading show. So just watch for the advertisements. I will, Barbara. I, okay. I definitely will because I have all the the info, you know, the time and all of that that he was born. So uh, okay. that would be great. Thank you. I greatly appreciate it. Take you care take now. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. You know, you just gave her some very basic cool information that, that, you know, just, just briefly. (laughs) Um, 
you mentioned the the air, earth, um, fire, and water signs. Do they have aspects themselves that that are important to look for, and and can those aspects be useful for us and even understanding the people we work with? Absolutely. You know, I when I wrote a chapter for uh, Doreen Virtue years ago when she uh, put out her book. Uh, the Care and Feeding of Indigo Children. I had interviewed her for a magazine, and then she asked me if I would write a chapter, and I wrote a chapter in her book. And that chapter actually tells you how to work with children. If you were a teacher in a classroom, you've got 30 kids. How do you know how to work with them? You are, let's say, uh, a Sagittarius. And um, and maybe you have your moon, let's say it's in Aries, let's say it's in another fire sign, or maybe it's an air sign. But whatever it is, here you are, a Sag, and your natural inclination is to create freedom and creative energy for everyone in that classroom. That's your natural inclination. You want to expand their knowledge. You want to give them a lot of opportunity to explore because Sag loves to explore so this is a great option, and this is the way you see things when you go towards teaching. Well, in your classroom, you may have 15 children who are earth signs, and maybe you have five children who are water signs, and they do not relate to that. If you don't have a structure that works for them, you cannot, you cannot help them because they don't know how to work within an air or fire energy. So, you know, this is what I suggested in that book, uh, in that chapter that I wrote. Um, if you're a teacher, get at least, the, you have at least their basic information. You have their birthday. You may not know mm-hmm. their moon, but you have their birthday. And if you have their birthday, you know whether they are a fire, air, earth, or water. And this can give you such a good understanding of how to create either structure or expansion for the individual, and it's going to increase their ability to learn in in that time you're with them. So, yes, understanding just the basics of the elements, it's huge. And, of course, the key comes down to a preponderance. In the case we just had, uh, having the sun and the moon, those are very strong elements. Those are strong. Those are the luminaries in the chart. Uh, if you just said to me, well, he has his Venus in an air sign or his Venus is in Virgo, um, that would be different than telling me the sun and the moon. When I look mm-hmm. at a chart, I look at the preponderance of the elements. Uh, most of us have a great mix. You know, I have my sun in Aquarius, which is an air sign. I have my moon in Capricorn, which is an earth sign. So I'm one of the people who you could talk to either way and I can work with you. <laughs> You know, I can work with the structure or I could work with just ideas floating floating them around. I can go either way because of the way my chart is. And when I connect with others, I have a lot of friends who are Taurus and their moons are in Gemini or Aquarius or some other air sign. So you connect with more people when you have a variety in your own chart. It gives you a lot more flexibility. So sun and moon in different elements is a good healthy thing sure as long as they're not in direct conflict 
you know, obviously uh, direct conflict tells us that your mother and father were really not getting along at all. The sun represents the father, the moon represents the mother, and when they're in a hard aspect, it tells me your mother and father did not get along. And that is a challenge for you as you grow up because the masculine side of you and the feminine side of you are not working together. So sometimes uh, whichever one is in rulership will be the leader, or if neither are in rulership, then it depends on the transiting actions or uh, supporting planets as to which one will get away with the, the greatest strength. Wow. Okay, <clears throat> we've got another caller, and we're going to give this one a shot too. Um, 916-838, hi, you're on the air. Hi, thank you very much for taking my call. Um I, I can't say my name, but you've you've talked to me before, and you're wonderful. Um, I woke up Tuesday, and there were 15 horrible voicemails from an unknown caller on my cell phone, so disturbing that I could not listen to more than three. Oh, my God. And, oh, yes. And... Um, I contacted my phone carrier, and they say they can't do anything, but the police can trace it if I turn it over to them. And this this person heard me say um, the first names of about three people at my work and um, a few things that I was concerned about regarding my employment. And this person is threatening to forward this tape uh to my employer and um i've not done it yet but if she does then i will contact the police because at that point she she will be in big legal trouble for harassment and um also my employer does not allow harassment and but it'll be obvious what her intent was so I'm sick today with the flu, and um, probably I won't go back until maybe Thursday. But my concern is if she does forward this tape of me saying that, it's not that I said something super horrible. I basically said that the supervisor that I had at the time had let me down um, and that her assistant had lied. Both of these are true. Do you have a copy of the tape? Well, I have all 15 of the voicemails, and I'm going to save them. No, no, no. Um, no. Do you have a copy of the tape she's threatening to, no, to blackmail it, it was. It was from a, a radio show. And uh, as we know, you can download Blog Talk, but you're not allowed legally to copy part of it because there's copyright laws. And so... She will be in a lot of trouble for doing no. Go that. to your go to your employer, and tell your employer exactly what she said and what you said. That's what I would do. The the sooner you just uh, get raw, uh, be transparent with your employer, the safer zone you are in. And if this person has called you and said anything that is over the line on the phone, I would definitely go to the police. I wouldn't wait on that. I would do it. Don't. There's no reason for you to wait. No one should be treated uh, abused 
by anyone. You should never be abused by anyone. You should have enough respect for yourself that you do not accept abuse at any time from anyone for any reason. And you must come into this space. You're a divine being. Do not accept that. And if you go to the police, you. you have taken the action you need to take to remedy the consciousness that you have that has been injured. That is Thank your remedy. You. So please do that. Do not be concerned about the rest of it. You can go forward to your employer, let the employer know what has happened, tell him without malice or her without malice and say, I cannot accept abuse. You do not accept abuse. That's why I work for you. You're someone I can respect. I know this business is a respectable business. It has integrity and so do I. I am not saying any of this or giving you this information to hurt anyone, but I cannot accept abuse in my world, and I don't believe that you should either. So this is what has Step forward, tell the truth, live in a transparent world, and you won't feel guilty or ashamed or hurt. Yeah, she's... Will they, yeah, she's, will they let me she, go? Because I said the name of the company, and I said the first name of three people. Will no, they let me no, go? No. They let, they're not going to let if you, you go. go in and, if you go in and give them the information and you tell them up front, they should not let you go for that reason. I don't understand that as grounds. Everyone has opinions. Everyone has moments in their lives where they say things that they are not necessarily happy they said. And right. you can... I was not happy I said this, but I did say it. But I am being honest, and you open up the door. And if they fire you, then they're not firing you for cause. And if they're as good a company as you have indicated they are, they will not do that. And do not act out of fear in your life. To not take action because you are afraid you'll lose your job is to set in motion a magnetic action that will cause you to lose your job under some ridiculous pretense later on. I guarantee that's what the outcome will become because spirit sets these things. You are spirit, and you set this in your path to learn a lesson. Step forward. Learn the lesson. Go beyond it, and you're going to be happy with who you are. Don't live in this space. Take take the power away from her. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly. a good way to put it. And um, so you both feel that I will be keeping my job for at least a year and a half, two years? I, 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 I don't think you lose your job because of this. I do not think that's going to in any way be one way or the other. I don't know how long you're going to keep your job, but it feels like when you do leave there, it'll be because you want to, not because you have to. Oh, I feel God. like this. I feel like this is a neutral issue regarding your job. I feel this is a very important issue regarding your very beingness, the person that you are, and the sanctity of who you are is right now on the table. That is more important than anything else. And if you can't trust that who you are knows what is important for you, then you're missing who you are entirely. This is a time mm. where. Every one of us has to step into who we are. And when you learn that trust and you feel that good experience of knowing you did the right thing for you, I guarantee whether you keep this job or get another one, the next one that will come down the road will be better if this one does not meet your level of integrity because that's what you're doing. You're stepping up to a new level of integrity. Do not define Mm -hmm. who you are by this job. 
Define who you are by who you are. Wow, very nicely stated. My goodness, both of you. Very eloquent. We're both both mad as heck that you're even worried about this. (laughs) Thank you dearly, and we love every person on this call, and I want you all to know that none of you have a right to be abused. No one. Right. Oh, this person, if you heard the calls, you would just be... I can guarantee I'd have been right there at the police station two minutes after I could hear the first one. I don't allow abuse in my life, and no one should. Yeah. Well, this... This person, if she if she moves forward, she's going to be in a lot of trouble because she'll never be able to get a do good job Do not even go there. I'm telling you, do not go oh. there. Those are not your thoughts. You don't need those thoughts. Those are the thoughts of spirit. Spirit will take care of anyone who abuses you. I have well, a also, million times in my life where people have tried, and I yeah, can tell I, I, you, I never have yeah. wished anyone harm in my life, no matter who they are. And, but and I can I tell you right yeah. People I, I come will. back to me and tell me what happens to these people, and it blows me away. You do not need to think those thoughts. All you need to do is take care of who you are and stand in your own light. Do that, and you will be always proud of yourself. You will always be happy with who you are, and you will not ever find yourself being abused. You will be tested, and once you've stopped that from ever coming into reality in your life it will never happen again and once 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 you go to the to to your boss and tell him what happened and you know what what the reaction was and what this woman is trying to do to you there's no point to her saying it because they've already got all the information she you take her total power away from her yeah and um i Social saying anything about the company on social media is never allowed, but I thought social media was simply Twitter and Facebook. This was uh, the radio, so I hope the radio is not considered social media. I would think the radio is social media. Well, there's where we differ. I don't think it is either. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think radio is social media, I, I, but it is. It, 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 It depends on how you define social media. Today, social media to me is all the things that we do on the Internet, uh, whereas radio doesn't seem to come under that. But if you take the words individually and say media, radio is media, and social is where we're all communicating, then it would be social media. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, you know what? You you both are empowering me. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I'm pretty sick with the flu. And... Probably that situation contributed towards me getting sick. Um, and um, I thank God I saved all of these calls. And um, uh, so I do feel empowered because that person dug their own grave, so to speak, you know, um, with getting themselves into legal trouble. And. Um, best not to think negatively of them. Do your best to bless them. Do your best to be in a position where you can say, everybody makes mistakes. Maybe this is their opportunity because you stand up for yourself for them to learn who they are and for them to step into being the person that they are in their divinity. This is an opportunity for them to step beyond what they've been. Just think positive things. Don't think the negative. Don't think about this is a great way for them to get hurt. 
Do not think along those lines. That's up to spirit. Let spirit handle that. I guarantee mm-hmm. spiritual beings that you are and that she is and that your boss is all are magnificent. And you're all working this out so that each of you can become more empowered in who you are. So look at life and stay in that zone. Take care of you. Right now, that is your job. And let spirit take care of the rest. Well, thank you. You're both empowering me as women, and I needed to hear this. And um, well, and I, it sounds like both of you feel that I'm the one who will be in a position to say when I leave the company, whether it be two years or three years, right? Don't worry about that. This is what you call the sign. This is what we gave you advice One way or the other, where you're going to be with this company, all I'm saying is that this is your step that is very important for you to take. And if you as soul don't really like this job, if there's something else going on there as soul that says, I have an opportunity far beyond this, then you will find a way to cut the ties to go forward, whether that's going forward by your own volition, going forward by some opportunity that comes your way, or going forward because uh, it no longer fits you. And they agree that it no longer fits you. You need to concentrate on doing what you know is right at any given time in your life. When you do that, you don't understand the great magnetics that you create. The whole story of the law of attraction is based on how we spend our energy, our thoughts, our words. How are they spent? We are creating your voice, your mind. These are the electrical powers that are magnificent wands in the act of manifestation. And you are manifesting, manifesting what you want when you are doing what is aligned with your greatest good. Going forward now is aligned with your greatest good. There's no Thank doubt you. about that. That doesn't resonate with your heart. Then there's something we're missing that mm-hmm. should resonate. When you do things like this, that's all you need to remember. Leave the rest to spirit. Spirit will take care of the details. Okay. You will be cared for and stop worrying about that. Do not do that. When we worry about what if I lose my job, you've just set in motion the possibility of losing your job. Instead, you're saying only the best can come to me. I am always cared for. I have more than I could possibly use in a million lifetimes. I live in a world of abundance. I continue as I move forward with every thought, action, and word to create abundance in my world that uplifts myself and all those around me. I am a vehicle for the light. Stay there. You know what? I've been, for some reason, I've been visualizing moving with my sister to a much uh, nicer um, apartment, brand new carpet, very nice surroundings, pricey and easily being able to afford it. So I I am envisioning abundance and security. So go for it because maybe something else coming down the road and stop trying to hang on to something that may not be the something you really want. Yeah, okay. we we have to move on now. So thank you so much for calling. God bless both of you. And the same. Take care. Okie doke. We've got we've got some more questions here, and I'm hoping they're 
their questions astrology. about astrology. <laughs> okay, we'll give it a shot. Okay, 305-300, you're on the air. Good evening, Barbara. This is Deanna. Hi, Deanna. How are you doing tonight? I'm just fine. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Deanna. What can we do for you? Thank you. Um, questions about charts. Looking at the top of the chart, the 10th house and the 11th house, I have my moon in Gemini on the 10th house at 11 degrees more. And um, that's also my midheaven, Gemini. And then I have Uranus retrograde at four degrees in Cancer. And uh, I don't know what it means, but it doesn't, it doesn't look good to me. <laughs> so you have Uranus at the midheaven at 11 degrees of, uh, did I catch the right degree there, 11 degrees of Gemini? No. Uh, I have the moon in Gemini at 11 degrees. At the midheaven. I have you, yes. Uh, this doesn't give me, but yeah, it's on the 10th house. Um, so the, the I, moon is heaven at 11 degrees of Gemini. So Gemini is on your midheaven at the 10th house cusp. Right. And then on the 11th, I have Uranus, four degrees in Cancer, almost five degrees. Okay. Well, you know, that by itself doesn't tell me everything, but I will say that having the moon at the midheaven is a wonderful thing, not a negative thing. Uh, are you living uh, close to where you were originally born? Not at all. I had a feeling you were going to say that, which I think is interesting. <laughs> but you maybe are you on the same longitude? Okay. I you was know, born in South America. Same longitude? Uh, hmm? Pretty much. Um, the same meridian. Uh, not the same. Not right, the, it wouldn't the, be the same parallel. Not the same, la, a different latitude, uh, and uh, yeah, about a degree off in the longitude. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're you, that's okay. You've moved in, in in the same kind of space that your moon is in control, and the moon at the midheaven uh, allows you to be in the public's eye and to be comfortable in the public's eye. So you should, that's a very good thing. And 11 degrees is a master number. So there's something there about uh, you being a master nurturer. Uh, You manifest uh, home or property or uh, nurturing or caring or motherhood. There's something there that you're doing. And and that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I don't know what aspects you have to that moon. I don't know if it's hard aspected. But the fact that that is at your midheaven says that that's part of your public, the public will love you in the United states of america because this is a country that is ruled by cancer so it's a good country for you to be in it should be a good country um i don't know the the cancer the cancer is the uranus on the 11th at four degrees oh right you have gemini at the midheaven sorry it's easier right later it gets so you have gemini at the midheaven well cancer over in the 11th house you would have to go let me see here you would have to go west. You'd have to go further west to get it to the midheaven. And so that's you have. What I want to do? That's funny. Oh, is that what you want to do? Yeah. I want to go going west around the with... Rockies. Oh, are you on the east coast somewhere? Hmm. I'm in Florida. 
Oh, okay. Wow, that's a big difference. Well, the, still, though, Moon at the Midheaven does make you publicly someone who will be accepted by the public in this country. You are a person who's naturally, uh, there's an emotive state. There, people. You're the kind of person people would come up to. And having Gemini at the Midheaven, having the moon in Gemini, it's kind of an odd place to put the moon. But nonetheless, it says, I have a love of communication. I have love of socializing. I am a great communicator, and at the midheaven, people just automatically know you're someone they can talk to. You're probably Deanna, tell, her, very tell her what you charismatic. do. Um, thank you very much, Barbara. And um, I am an interpreter, and I work in front of people. But at the same time, I'm bashful. I'm very afraid to make mistakes. I got a lot. Oh, of- that's something else that's <laughs> activating. That's that's a hard aspect of that moon somewhere in that in that chart or a hard aspect to your Mercury. I don't know where your Mercury is, but uh, I don't even know where the sun is. So, <laughs> so my, I, my sun and my Mercury are both in Scorpio. Okay. Well, you, you know, Mercury in Scorpio doesn't like necessarily to speak out and is very careful because they don't want to mm-hmm. give too much away. There's a whole mm-hmm. aspect of being cautious with the Mercury in Scorpio. So that's, that's, the challenge plus Scorpio and Gemini do not get along. That's not a combination mm-hmm. that there is actually a quincunx action if they're in aspect, which means that you could stress somewhat when you talk and because you constantly go back and forth in your mind. Should I, or shouldn't I, am I saying enough? Yes. Maybe. You're reading and that's right, a stressful you know? experience, the issue of mercury. But if you you're study reading, your, you're, you you should find right. a relief yeah. valve, that moon and take a look at where it releases because that will help you. Wow. I, I'm always in the yes or no, always oscillating. <laughs> so you, you're right. And then yeah. my Scorpio is like 15 degrees. So it seems like I'm fighting with myself all the time. Well, it's it's it is it's not actually a fight as much as it is a stress because you're constantly re-examining, re-examining. You just can't seem to settle in, and that's that's challenging. So you have to, you know, pick a direction. Um, you, with your, um, you have your sun in Scorpio. Is your sun in Scorpio? Did you say? Yes, it is. You have sun in Mercury and Scorpio. So you don't have any planets that are like I'm happy in this sign. They're like, I'm not so happy in the sign. <laughs> so that doesn't help. You have to look for who's strong that's activating your sun or your moon and uh, a soft aspect to your sun or moon from another planet, and that's going to be your release valve. That's where you'll be able to find some resolution if you put your attention in that zone. Uh, Uranus, having Uranus in the 11th house uh, in Cancer, you know, 11th house. Retrograde. Retrograde. It's okay. That's fine. It's retrograde. Is you know the outer planets are frequently retrograde. It's not a it's not a big deal one way or the other. But um, Uranus there in the eleventh house says there is a love for freedom, and the fact that it's retrograde probably says that you, you don't always know that you're getting it. But uh, there is a dream to have it, but there's a part of you that says it'll never happen. So that's the retrograde aspect to it. But it, it, having it in Cancer, there's a desire to uh, have freedom in your home or in your docile uh, or uh, freedom with your family, freedom to express probably. 
but um, or freedom to visit or freedom to be with. There's a whole lot of statements, and the rest of the chart would have to indicate the uh, rest of the information. But, I want to uh, say thank you, and I want to ask you to please give out your information when I can. If I can, I'd like to, you know, to talk to you privately. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I'll give it to everybody. It's and you can always find me if you can just spell my name. You can find me, and and if you can find this on Blog Talk, you can find my name. T is just name with one L. Um, but or put in Michelle Avanti Astrologer, and you'll find me. You can go to Michelle Avanti. I mean, you know. Your name means forward in Italian. I do, I know. <laughs> they have, it, they have not, it on the lights, the walk lights in Italy. It says Avanti instead of uh, walk. <laughs> so so it's, it's all good. It's all good. Before yeah. I say goodnight, Barbara, I did write to you um, about what you published, and uh, I'm so sorry. And oh, thank um, you so what much. a wonderful, lovely lady. What a wonderful. Yes, she was. took my call many times. And her picture is beautiful too. So thank you very much for taking my call. I want to keep on listening. Okay, thank you. Thanks a lot. Good night, Diana. Good night. She's been with me forever. I think she was yeah, one of my I first understand. callers. Wow. Okay, <clears throat> we've got we've got another one. Let's let's see if we've got a, an astrology question here. Hi, five zero two four three nine. You're on the air. Hi, thank you all for taking my call. How are you? Okay. How can we help? Yeah, um, what can we do for you? I have a question regarding my son's chart. Um, I'm a single mom, and he is five, and his his son is in Aries um, in the eighth house, and his moon is in Pisces, and then he's a Virgo rising. But I think the Aries and Pisces is such a strong um, – it's like he's two two different personalities, I guess. He's so hard-headed and bullheaded and then so sensitive. Um, and yeah, being that a, certainly makes him very, very sensitive and also very intuitive. But the sun, and his Mercury's in Pisces also. Yeah, he's going to be very – he's very psychic. I would encourage that in him and not let him – uh, be afraid to tell you his dreams or tell you his adventures or allow his imagination to expand because uh, that's part of who he is, a very psychic individual. The Aries part, uh, having the sun in Aries, again, here is a, the eighth house is, uh, boy, that tells us that in some past life he has been uh, someone who has handled the resources of others and he did it with great integrity. So he's a He's someone who is very capable of handling other people's resources in this life. How he does that, we'll have to just wait and see. But um, having the sun in Aries, I don't know if they are in – I didn't catch the degrees. Are they in aspect with the moon or not? It is. It is. In 27 degrees areas. His yeah, son's 27 degrees. degrees. I, I can't and make out what you said. They don't make any said. aspects to each other. He has like moon square, Venus, moon sextile, Pluto. Uh, there's none to each other. To each other. You're not you're not coming across clear to me. How many degrees is his son? Um, I can't hear you. Degrees. 27 degrees. Uh, Maybe seven degrees. 
If he was born on the 9th of April, it can't be 27. It's impossible. He was born on April 16th, unless I'm reading this. Oh, okay. April 15th. Yes, 27 degrees. Okay, and his moon is how many degrees? degrees. Seven. Seven. Okay, not an aspect. Okay. <laughs> yes, they don't. Yes, they. I don't think they. Yes. No, correlate. that's far even for luminaries. That's more than. That's more than ten degrees. Uh, that's too far for even luminaries. So that's actually very good news. Otherwise, he would be frictionally having a problem uh, between uh, his aggressive energies and his mm-hmm. uh, more introverted energies. It's good okay. to have. Having his son in Aries when he has both the moon and Mercury in Pisces is can can turn out to be good depending on the other aspects in the chart because uh, having the sun in Aries allows him to at least get out and be seen, whereas the moon yeah. in Pisces and the Mercury in Pisces, he could easily sit in the back of the classroom in the closet and no one would ever see him or hear him except for his son. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so that's a good But I would say that you want to encourage him. Uh, He has that moon and Mercury in the ninth house, doesn't he? Um, His Mercury, they're both, no, his moon's in the sixth house, his Mercury's in the seventh. Um, And then he has Neptune in the moon's in the sixth and Mercury's in the seventh. Okay, that makes a Mm -hmm. big difference. Okay, so Mercury being in the seventh, he certainly is going to be highly intuitive about people and more than likely will be able to choose connections with people in a good way. Having the moon in the house in Pisces, does he have Pisces on the cusp of the sixth or not? Um, I'm not exactly sure, honestly. Okay. I'm not, how do you tell if it's on? I'm looking at a chart, but I don't know how you tell if it's on the cusp or not. You, you know what the cusp of the seventh house is. It's on the axis, and there's a sign there. And that sign is going to be Pisces if he has Pisces in that house at the beginning of that house. But uh, the question that I have is, is the line that's before that one going down yes. on the chart? That's also Pisces. Yes, it, yes, it is on the cusp. Okay, so because he has an interceptor chart born 36 parallel or above. Got it. Okay, so so with that information, it tells me that you have to be careful with uh, any kind of diagnosing of him by doctors. The, get a mm-hmm. second opinion. You can't be sure. And having the moon in Pisces in the sixth house, um, he can be someone who um, doesn't he, – he wants food, but the kinds of food he wants, it's questionable as to the value – He's someone who could be attracted to drugs, so has to be very careful around drugs, and you want to be very okay. careful. Um, I'm trying to think what is a rep. Oh, and what? I can't get him to eat. That's like, I mean, he's almost six. But, but just the fact, I guess because I'm a single mom, I never had brothers. I never, my dad wasn't around, so it's like I have no idea as far as, like, raising boys. Um, and I'm so, I'm always so worried about how to, um, I want to steer him in the right direction, and I'm, just trying to, I'm very into astrology, and I'm very spiritual, and he also has, you know, his Pisces and Neptune, which I know is a very spiritual aspect, so I feel like I need to, you know, allow him, I have crystals and all that, and I'm, I mean, he, and he really likes it, like, he'll go to the store with me and pick out a crystal, like, he likes it. Oh, absolutely, he's, he's going to be drawn to anything spiritual, and you want to keep him in that direction, um, okay. help, help him by giving him all the best principles uh, the best spiritual principle, so he understands spiritual laws by the time he's five, six, seven, eight, whatever age, mm-hmm. um, because you don't want him to go in the direction of drugs. And uh, having that moon in Pisces in the sixth house can 
can cause him to go in that direction if there are hard aspects to it, which I don't have the chart, so I don't know, and I don't want you to get worried. I want you to just pay attention because none of that has yeah. to happen. Okay? Okay. Thank you so much. That helps. That's comforting <laughs> to know. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, good well, luck. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for you. calling. Mm-hmm. Good, good night. night now. Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. Boy yeah. challenges. <clears throat> wow. Well, you know, it's. I think it's fascinating for people to actually have their charts and to be able to, you know, to oh. read them. And to, I, they, it's so important if you're on a spiritual pathway to have some understanding of, of, of the astrology itself. You don't have to become an astrologer, but to, to understand the different houses, to understand the different signs, to understand, you know, who rules what, why, when, and where. And, um, you know, it's important to learn enough to get into trouble. So you have to go to an expert like Michelle to, um, (laughs) yeah, or at least explain it. At least come on the show when we do a reading show, and I'll be happy to look at that. You know, I wish I could see the little boy's chart because stuff like that always, you know, I'm, I, I I want to help. You know, I want him to grow up strong and healthy and have all the best choices he can make, you know. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny because I know with my son, I'm with Pisces and Aquarius rising, and my moon is in Cancer, and my son is Leo with Pisces rising and moon in Libra. And it's, it's been interesting watching him grow and watching him become a man and get married and have children. And, you know, it's, it's been fascinating realizing that there are, are connections there that are really beneath the surface or above the surface or, you know, they're, they're not things that you can put into words, and yet there are synchronicities between our two signs that 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 give you some idea sometimes as to why, you know, we are together spiritually speaking. You know why he came through me and and what what his purpose is in life. It's been it's been an adventure to watch. And with astrology, you can actually do that. You can get some idea as to why you had the children you did. And when they were born, when they were born, and every now and then, because my first marriage was not exactly a happy one, and he's the best thing that came out of it. And every now and then I would say to him, look, I had to marry your father so I could get you. But once I got you, I didn't didn't need him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the time the chart, well, actually all the time, the chart will tell us – one of the connections between our children and ourselves or or children and their parents. And uh, it, it tells us if there's a karmic past life that's very significant to this life uh, will tell us all of that in the chart. So it's always very interesting. Well, it gives us extra dimension into how to relate with people. I mean, astrology is a fabulous tool. And yeah. you just have to have a good astrologer like Michelle to help you kind of not not misdiagnose stuff. Because, yeah. you know, a little, a little knowledge is a very dangerous thing. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Um, you know, there's a lot to synthesize and a lot to learn when we go into delineation and a lot to keep in your head. So, um, I don't know, it's very organic for me, but I've been doing it also for God knows how many years. Almost half a century, I think, we're 
get closing in on. So yeah. it's been a long time. Um, but, you know, if we live to our real age, you know, it would be like 600 years. And I'd say, yeah, I've been doing it for 600 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I it's coming. It's coming a lot faster than anybody thinks. Um so we're lengthening uh, the DNA and as we do we'll lengthen the life. So Absolutely. Well, we're going to we're going to try to pick a date where we can come on the air and do the readings. And hopefully tonight we gave everybody a little bit of really valuable information that they can utilize and 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 or and or come with connections next time. I, I we're, we're real close to the end of the show, and I want to thank you so very much for doing this for us. It has been, I have pages full of notes, and and hopefully I can make sense of them tomorrow. <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, and if anyone needs to connect with me, I think they can do it when, when they come to the blog talk. Uh, I think you can put a link in, or they can just see my name and, just Google my name and put astrologer next to it, and I have, you know, a website that comes up as well as all kinds of other things. Okay, and and this show will be on YouTube tomorrow. And please, if you go, my YouTube channel is Barbara DeLong. If you go on to listen to any of these shows um, and follow it, so that I can build up enough audience, so that I can eventually just take the whole thing to YouTube live, which will be kind of fun too in the future. So thank you so much, Michelle. This has been terrific as always. So much fun. Well, you are so enlightening and you obviously get such a joy out of what you do. It, 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 It spreads and it's shared and it is a profound joy to have you on the show always. So good night now. And thanks everybody. For, yeah, for listening, night. and we will be back again. Keep keep watching for it; it'll be posted. Good night now. Night.